Hey, beautiful babes. Welcome to the Lavender Mafia podcast, episode 10. Today's episode is about one of my favorite topics, interfaith relationships. It's definitely personal, and I truly hope you enjoy. We are the Lavender Mafia. 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 Hey, what's up? I'm Jess Grace Garcia, and I am a filmmaker, music producer, worship pastor, and I'm also an empath. Yeah, see that you 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 do you feel it, <laughs> and I feel it. Gotta trust your feelings. <laughs> and you are. I'm Jack Bates, drag queen, theologian, comedian, and former grinder missionary dater. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I mean, I you definitely. I, <laughs> I know. I'm thinking to myself. You've definitely brought some people to group. <laughs> yeah, I would. Go on dates or hook up with people. And a lot of the time, they're more interested in hearing about the church that we were co-pastoring at the time, you and I. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's like 90% queer, very progressive. They're often more interested in that than they were in me. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's like, oh, no, tell me more about that. <laughs> I feel like if I was not taken um, when uh, Grindr and Tinder and all of those things um, were more popular, I think that I would have been definitely like that because mm-hmm. I love, love, like, our community, and I'm like that about most things. I'm like, I, my evangelism upbringing being the daughter of a missionary translates into so much of who I am. (laughs) I'm like evangelistic about products that I've tried, like about Mm. restaurants that I love. It's no wonder I'm Polly. Anyway, um, that's another topic. (laughs) So Jess and I have a weekly zoom call with friends. And one time a couple guys I was talking to from the dating apps both invited themselves to it that week and i don't think i realized this <laughs> yeah um and part of me thought like oh no this could be a train wreck and then i thought oh this could be a train wreck <laughs> she's a messy bitch who lives for drama <laughs> um but then because they're both gay guys in LA, of course they both flaked. <laughs> oh my god. That's why I didn't realize it cuz they never showed. It's ridiculous. So somebody's got a birthday coming up. Oh who? Don't be shy. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like after my Jesus birthday, I nothing is comparative until I hit 40. And even that I'm not going to be excited about. Oh, your 33rd birthday. At was first, last I year. you meant uh, <laughs> the day you converted. I was like, oh, God, gross. <laughs> no, my 33rd birthday was last year, so I'm going to be turning 34. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm so, wow, this hey, is crazy. Hey, watch what you say. Re- <laughs> respect your elders. <laughs> I don't mean that I'm old. I just mean that it's weird to, like, think about because I feel like my head is always, like, in the 25 age mm-hmm. like i feel like I've, i'm there perpetually mm-hmm. like i've matured and grown so much and i love the maturity and growth that comes with age um as long as you look for it and <laughs> like <laughs> i'm not saying it just automatically happens but yeah it's been it's interesting to think about like because i'm i feel so young mm-hmm. you know but i think yeah. part of that's my queerness yeah we do age backwards right it's science I look at pictures of myself like now and I'm like, damn, compared to <laughs> compared to 25 year old me. I was like, damn, she needs some help. It was a different kind of damn. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm also like, are we already a year from when all of the apocalypse began? Happy apocalypse anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because we went out for our birthday me, you, our friend Adrian, with our group of friends, we celebrated our birthdays and we went to WeHo and we had a blast and it was literally days before everything shut down. Yeah, that night is much storied. Yes. We've ta- talked about it a lot. Yeah, it's 
It was epic. It was epic. But it's sad to be like, that was a year ago. <laughs> Sorry. Literally. Like, I missed most of it. <laughs> you did. I mean, I missed most of it because I dragged a boy off into the corner. Mm. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> we all had a good time that night, mm-hmm. along with a crazy time. There was all kinds of crazy shit that happened, but I wouldn't trade any of it. It was it was like the best way to unintentionally end out, you know, this ability to actually freely not care who we were making out with <laughs> for fear of what they we might catch from them. <laughs> right. <laughs> the world has changed. <laughs> like, was that a year ago or 10 years ago? I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. I can't wait uh, to make out with strangers again. Right. <laughs> I never made out with strangers, but I liked watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no we're both getting older both of our making out with strangers days have passed shut up no put us out to pasture <laughs> just put a bullet in me no. <laughs> i love that we're both pisces me too i don't know what it means but i love it <laughs> it means we're like emotionally mercurial right because i feel like that's sort of on the nose yeah uncomfortably (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i um i i don't know as much as i've been surrounded by friends and partners who have been obsessed with (laughs) with um (laughs) astrological stuff and witchy stuff i feel like i just like like i'm like oh yeah that is me and then i forget about it like (laughs) i couldn't if someone was like what is a pisces i'm like "Uh, the one thing i remember i hated which was (laughs) that we're flaky and i'm not flaky i show up just an hour later (laughs) shut up (laughs) jess are you a water sign because you're flooding my basement oh i like that one (laughs) yeah all i know about astrology is the the thing about pisces being like all flighty and that's Everybody says Scorpios are assholes, and everybody asks me if I'm a Scorpio. <laughs> <laughs> you do feel like a Scorpio. <laughs> but I'm also married to one, so. Awesome. You do have a type. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Oh, man. So what are we talking about this week? I thought it'd be fun to talk about interfaith relationships. Wow, that was kind of a good transition on my part, and I didn't even know it. I know, we're talking about astrology and witchy <laughs> stuff and Christians and shit. <laughs> How do we do that? The mingling of the world. <laughs> I'm always, especially since Erica, she like showed me a TikTok recently, and it was um, it was like gothy curvy chick mm-hmm. and um, and she was like, let's like normalize like hot gothy curvy chicks, and I was like, Oh man, she's hot. And Erica goes, but, but that's me. And I was like, that's why I think she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) I have a type. (laughs) So, um, how do we start off talking about interfaith relationships? Let's talk about like our street cred. Yeah. Uh, for you, how do you and your partner identify with regards to like faith, religion, spirituality? Yeah. I mean, you know, this is one of my favorite topics and anyone who's listened to all of our episodes and anyone who's a friend of mine knows that this is one of my favorite topics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I identify still as a Christian and um, my wife identifies as um, when we first started dating, identifies as agnostic and now identifies as pagan um, and a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it has been a lot of fun. I went through a period of time where I didn't want to call myself a Christian because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't a big fan of what Christians have done to me or other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've decided to obviously take that back and it rarely stands on its own. It normally goes right along with being, I'll say, queer christian just because i feel like it's a kind of fuck you Mm -hmm. to what christians stand for um and uh and i say that in quotes because they don't really feel like christians to me um but uh my wife's um i've learned so much about the history of like christianity and paganism because of my wife um and 
it's been really cool to like mm-hmm. learn shit, you know, mm-hmm. historically about um, maybe ways that Christians even stole pagan holidays, you know. What about you? All right. So my fiance, August, is agnostic. Uh, didn't really grow up uh, around religion. For a long time, he had a uh, pretty strong aversion to Christianity because of what it represented in his mind and because of what people who claimed the name of Christ, like what they said and did. And like, as we have gotten to know each other more and more, like what he doesn't like about what he was taught about Christianity, or like what the sort of Christian does and did. That's everything that I don't like about the church too. Like he said that he didn't know there were Christians like me and like you, Jess, who, for whom like progressive values are really important, like human rights and social justice and LGBTQ rights. Um, So it's been fun to introduce him to a form of Christianity that doesn't have like all the negatives that are commonly culturally associated with Christianity. Yeah. I would agree that you literally could have just said that exam. I could have literally just said that exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Erica also grew up around um, her mom's uh, faith was uh, Christian and Methodist, but her dad was atheist. So she grew up in a home that already understood it was okay to have two different religious perspectives, which I don't know anything like, right? Mm, yeah. um, which is really interesting. And um, I feel like that made her and her brother able to kind of decide if this was their thing or not. So they went mm. up through homes, um, through Sunday school until the point where I think right, right around those times they were teenagers, they decided they didn't want to go anymore. Mm. Um, and... Um, it was interesting the first three months of us dating, I think it was the third month that she and I had a conversation that was basically to the effect of her saying, well, how can we continue dating if your belief is that I would go to hell? And I said, it's interesting. You probably would think that I'd be the closed minded one in this re- conversation Mm -hmm. um but it's actually you (laughs) because i don't believe in hell or i'm not sure that i do believe in hell um and also besides the point my relationship with with god slash the universe is different than whatever your relationship is with the universe like Mm -hmm. it's my path might be different than yours i don't think anyone's path is the same Mm. and she was just like oh I was like, yeah, I'd love to talk about this stuff more with you, but I'm never going to try and convince you of anything. Mm-hmm. I want to hear more about what you think, because I'm sure neither of us is completely right. And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And from that point forward, there's just been a really beautiful level of respect about what we believe in anything, but especially in uh, faith and religion. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I didn't do my bit. <laughs> right. Um, I'm a Christian. Uh, for a while, I've been uh, associated with the Episcopal Church. And I and a lot of others who are in a sort of similar faith space identify ourselves as inclusive Orthodox. Oh, cool. Because, like, continuity with the historic Christian tradition is really important to us. And inclusion of women, people of color, LGBTQ people, people with disabilities, um, everybody on the margins, their inclusion in the church and society is really important to us. And we see that as not really being a tension between the two. Like we, we see in the Bible and a lot of the Christian tradition a concern for the poor and the exploited and the marginalized that really makes the current incarnation of evangelical Christianity 
sort of an outlier. Hmm. I mean, there there have definitely been bad periods in Christianity's history. Like, I don't want to downplay that. But I think when we look over, like, what most Christians taught about what Christianity should be like and what a lot of people practiced, it was something like inclusive orthodoxy. That's one of the things that I've loved about coming into this community has been realizing how much more traditional we are mm-hmm. um, in, in our thought um, than those who we've been calling traditional this whole time, conservative yeah. or traditional. Not really actually traditional. They're pretty new. Yeah, they take a belief from was fully like new in the 1950s and they slapped the like traditional label on it. And right. if you don't believe it, you're a liberal. Right. Like I was talking to one of these people about like what happened to the Lord's Supper. It's sort of like a, a classic like theological disagreement. And he said, oh, yeah, I take the conservative position on that. I was like, oh, really? What do you mean by the conservative position? Mm-hmm. And he described like uh, what Southern Baptists believe, mm. which on the like historical Christianity stage is very, very new, about as new as the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And I told him, okay, so when you said you believe the conservative view, you actually believe the liberal view. Because <laughs> mm, if the newfangled, yeah, it, what what is the definition of liberal versus conservative? Is it new versus old, or what? That's interesting. Yeah, I think that's one take on it. And like, I only use liberal as an epithet for him because he took it as an insult. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, totally. I can see that. This the fuck with you. <laughs> How have you seen? I know your relationships a bit younger than mine. How have you seen your ideas about interfaith relationship change? I think a lot of it had to change even before I would be open to a relationship like the one I have with August. And I think a lot of that is wrapped up in my coming out and coming to see God in different ways. Yeah. Like not as a God who's out to get us. And who will like smite us if we put a toe out of line, but a God of love who created us to have a relationship with us. And I think that that's the destiny of everybody who wants it to be their destiny. And so I went from believing that you had to like explicitly be a Christian like mm-hmm. pray the fucking sinner's prayer and everything mm-hmm. um, or you're going to hell. And like, it troubles me now how I just like bought hook line and sinker, like fully 90 ish percent of humanity was going to hell. Right. 90 <laughs> ish percent because like evangelicals don't count Catholic or Orthodox Christians as right. Christians. Right. <laughs> Ugh, crazy. Yeah, uh, it's shameful, the things that they taught us. But now I believe that like, if you are trying to live a life characterized by the love and light that God is, that God honors that, that everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be open to them. God's not trying to like keep people out of heaven on a technicality and make them suffer eternally. Right, exactly. It's preposterous to think that I used to believe that and so many people read the Bible, see how God presents God's self as a God of love, but still believe that they're like that. Speaking of reading the Bible, there's a scripture verse that I think is the reason why I for so long thought that only a Christian could be with a Christian. Mm -hmm. Um, And even in friendship, like in all the ways, it was like, Mm -hmm. it was so pushed down our throats. Um, and it was uh, the bit about not being unequally yoked. Yeah. And I think when, besides the, like, so many things for me, it started with heart experience. Like, mm-hmm. experiencing deep connection with someone who was not Christian and realizing that I could have spiritual encounters with someone who was not Christian kind of blew my mind and mm-hmm. made me kind of open my mind to that. 
But theologically speaking, I realized that so much of scripture is used as a way to manipulate and control people. And this was one of those verses that I was like, how was this used previous to this to manipulate and hurt and control people? Mm -hmm. And one of the most classic ways is racism. Like saying that a white person and a person of color could not be together. Um, And it just made me question everything about the verse and start to like want to dig into the context of that verse you know what i mean yeah and my understanding on that verse evolved also through personal relationships like i usually change my beliefs through the like theological rational way but this one sort of came in through the back door (laughs) coming in through the back door (laughs) we just recorded an after dark episode so i'm looking for like every double entendre (laughs) so Sorry, people, if you're like a main episode only kind of girl. It'll be a little bit spicier than I. Um, yeah, for me, it was experiencing the love of God toward people who like outwardly said that they didn't want anything to do with God. Like when I came out, I started making queer friends, both who identify as Christian, who didn't identify as Christian. Um, and people who went to church and didn't go to church. And the queer people, these new queer friends I was making, like all across the board, loved me unconditionally. Right. In a way that I was not experiencing in like my circle of conservative Christian friends. Right. And that forced me to rethink what I thought about like God being at work through people who are not explicitly Christians. Right. Because it seems to me that God loves us really well through the actions of people who say they don't want anything to do with God. Yeah. That'll definitely make you question this idea that was force fed to us that we could not be, have spiritual connection or depth with someone who wasn't a Christian. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not just about, wow, you love me so well, or it's not just about like having a deep connected evening. It's like to have over and over again, be loved and cared for and seen and heard so well, Mm -hmm. like by someone who's not Christian. It's like, Mm -hmm. okay, something there's, why do I see God reflected in them so much? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I was just thinking about the fact that when I'm like having an incredibly beautiful sexual moment with my wife, I feel God in that moment, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's because of the beauty of that. Um, And or like, because we have different faiths or religious perspectives, it means we speak a little bit of different language, but oftentimes that language is only different in vocabulary it's the Mm -hmm. same in intent like when we're talking about um like she had more of a an energy sensing about something whereas someone else in my faith context might say she she had a prophetic word Mm -hmm. like um or like maybe i said i had a vision or maybe i said i had a sense of something and these are Mm -hmm. like i can say vision in a christian context and for the most part they understand that you know um or i can say that i had a a holy spirit like feeling about something in our context and she can say i had a gut feeling right Mm -hmm. and it's just different language and vocabulary it's different vocabulary but it's the same language and it's really cool to like have that experience of um openness and communication with someone and learn mm-hmm. from her. And I think, I think the other thing is, is that as Christians, we're um, encouraged to surround ourselves growing up evangelical. We were encouraged to surround ourselves with other Christians because that was supposed to strengthen us. That's bullshit. <laughs> and I think I was taught that that was bullshit pretty early on. Like my dad, who's a missionary and my mom, who's an evangelist were like, no, you got to get out into the world. Mm-hmm. You got to test your faith. And part of that was not finished with, I'll finish that and say, 
the way to build a strong foundation is to actually know what other people's perspectives are right. and challenge that and, and challenge God in that and say like, what about this? And what about this? And asking the hard questions and, mm-hmm. and to yourself and to God and saying like, yeah, I, I either need to accept there is no answer or I want to keep digging until I find one, mm-hmm. you know? And it's because of that. It's because of surrounding myself with people of different perspectives that has made me a strong Christian. Not because I stayed in a bubble with other Christians just who had the exact same ideas as I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were taught the bubble was necessary to keep us from being like corrupted. Like, first of all, being corrupted is kind of fun. Yeah, right? <laughs> Corrupt but me, baby. Two, like, that interplay with other people's beliefs like there's a way that like kind of testing what you believe against people who believe very differently not in like an adversarial way but just in a like oh i was always taught this but i heard this other thing i feel like the faith that comes out of that testing is so much stronger Yeah, it is 100%. Like, when I'm sitting there having a conversation with my wife and she's questioning really important things to question, Mm -hmm. I can sit there and say, I've thought about that. Mm -hmm. Or, that's a really good point. Like, there have been many times in my marriage with, with, um, in my relationship with my wife, um, that I've come to her with something that I was struggling with. Um, a good example would be uh, last year I was really starting to <laughs> deconstruct. I thought that I had done all my deconstructing mm. and then I got onto the topic of salvation and the cross and sin. <laughs> and I was like, Oh God, Oh God, I got to do more. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And in that processing of like, what is sin? What is salvation? What was Jesus's purpose? Like things around those questions around that and having to not just deconstruct, but reconstruct my ideals around that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, The most helpful conversations were with my pagan wife and with my atheist friend. Mm. And uh, my atheist best friend and my agnostic friend, all people outside of Christianity mm-hmm. um, and even progressive Christianity were some of the best conversations I had mm-hmm. because the thing about coming out of um, Christian society, deconstructing to the point where maybe you don't come back into progressive Christianity is that you ask the hard questions. Right. And you become comfortable with not having the answers. Mm -hmm. That was something that was huge about what I learned from them. Like Mm -hmm. was this idea that it was okay to not have the answers because we don't grow up, especially evangelicalism with it being okay to not have the answers. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's the definition of being agnostic in a lot of ways is accepting that, you don't have all the answers. You know you believe in something spiritual or something out there that might have been a part of creating all of this or whatever it is. There's like mm. no agnostic is the same. Yeah, and there's a sort of affinity between that and what's called negative theology. It's a way of theologizing or thinking about God that involves just saying what God is not. Mm, cool so saying like god is not life god is not light god is not beauty god is not goodness you deny these things about god because whatever whoever god is god is beyond our human categories it's a way of affirming that god's existence isn't such that we can nail it down with human terms or human concepts that's interesting. I've never heard of that before. That's really cool. Yeah, some one of the best gifts that my dad ever gave me was 
He gave me a book and I wish I could find it. I'll have to do some research um, and see if maybe I can post about it on our story or something. But Mm -hmm. it was a book about like 40 different cults (laughs) (laughs) and he was just like, and it was about questions around cults and religions that were not Christianity and how to engage with those um those ideas and like Mm -hmm. and i think part of the author's intent was so that you could convert them but my dad was like it's really important that you understand what other people believe because it will challenge your foundation in your faith and it will help you to grow Mm -hmm. and that's the way i took it and it has a, it has made it so that I have some really amazing and have had some really amazing relationships, friendships, and conversations with individuals um, mm-hmm. of different perspectives. Um, and I really, it's an invaluable gift that my dad gave me. I don't know that he realized he was giving me mm. fully. Love that. One of the things I talk about when it comes to interfaith relationships a lot is it starts off your relationship in a way that almost demands respect. Oh yeah, definitely. Right. Like it's something where you don't get to come into this and say, and like skip over the fact that you guys don't agree on something. Mm -hmm. You have to start off with, we don't agree on something and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that that supports interdependence in a relationship, which is the healthiest way to have a relationship mm-hmm. to not just be independent or to not be codependent, but to be able to stand on your own two feet and support and love each other for what they're passionate about, but exist on your own terms as well. Mm-hmm. And the respect that is, I'm okay with the fact that you're a Christian and I'm not is, <laughs> is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the reason why also my wife was a vegetarian and I was not for four years, four or five years of our relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm now a vegetarian. That's neither here nor there guys. It just, <laughs> she wasn't converting she me. Got you, man. No. <laughs> Missionary dating. That was a hundred percent me. That was a hundred percent me and my choice. <laughs> and I do honestly think that if I had even had just a friend who was vegetarian, or an experience, several experiences with vegetarianism and watched the same doc- documentaries that I did watch, I would have landed there. But that's neither, neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's definitely not a Christian and I'm definitely um, like not pagan. Although I feel like I've learned so much cool shit about being a witch. Mm. Like I realized that being a witch you can be Christian and be a witch. Like there's so many of our friends who are witches and are Christian that are really connected to energy in the world. And I feel like they almost have a more intimate relationship with God than so many of us. Mm. They're very heart centered. And I love that. Mm. I feel like there's so much to learn from them. I would love to do an episode that's just on that. Like um, the idea of being Christian and a witch. We've got so many resources when it comes to that. It would be interesting partially because i'm a little skeptical i know and that's what i'm excited about because like um i'm very close to the witches are definitely my type as well (laughs) (laughs) and i've been told that um that i'm definitely a witch and with the way that i talk about energy and the way that i have connectedness and the way that i can feel what's happening to someone like across thousands of miles um, and can also manipulate energy. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I've just always called that like Holy spirit, (laughs) 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 but I do, I, I strongly believe in energy. So I'm like, no, I get, I get that. And I feel like because of my openness to that, it's opened up my world. It's opened up my view of who God is. That mm-hmm. God doesn't have to exist in a box. Like we keep trying to create these structures because that's what we grew up with was this structure. Like, okay, there's structure. And then we broke down those walls and we, 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 we got a little further and a little further. And I feel like that's what this has done is it has opened up my view of who God is. Yeah. We definitely need to do an episode on this. Right. 
I have so many people who I can invite because <laughs> it's not going to be us. We totally need to have like a couple of people here to represent this. This will have to be one of those uh, exceptions to the rule of having someone be on the podcast with us. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Right? Mm-hmm. They'll just school us. I'm down. I want to be schooled. I'm verse. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, guys, I am Dom, but I'm also I'm 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 also Switch. (laughs) I would really be interested to hear how they integrate their beliefs. Because my skepticism comes from like I think that some beliefs are less compatible than others. And that's just from the nature of like claiming things about God and humanity in the universe. Yeah. Some different belief systems claim things that can't both be true. Mm-hmm. Or at least it's not obvious how they could both be true. And either one of them is right, or maybe both of them are false. So like, I'm going to anagram five the shit out of this. Oh one. yeah, no, I'm excited. <laughs> I know I'm starting to get really excited about it because I think that it's kind of like, um, I'll just simply say like astrology. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the idea that the stars have something to say about the way that we um, work makes sense with who God is, that there is order and patterns to so much of the way that the world is created that mm-hmm. why wouldn't the pattern of the universe also feed into that? Yeah. I mean, I, my, our listeners and, um, witchy christians can correct me if i'm wrong but i think astrology has a lot of its roots in medieval christianity yeah because they believe that like angels or angelic beings controlled mm-hmm. each of the planets and that's part of why they influence people on earth because there's this divine influence going on so you know what you were talking about when it came to to, to tradition earlier mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what I find when I talk to Christian witches is that they are going back to further. Like they're talking exactly what you're talking about, the history of, of, um, of the tradition of Christianity mm-hmm. and that connectedness and um, talking about angelic beings and things like that. And I'm just like, damn, like, oh, you know more <laughs> about who God is than I am. I want to learn more. Right? That's exciting. Like when you said, it, like you're gonna enneagram five the shit out of it. I think you're right because that idea of like could they both be right? Mm-hmm. Right? Could this? Could these ideas coexist? It's an exciting thing. And if, um, if and I love learning, so <laughs> so I'm I'm constantly I'm constantly reminded um, that I have so much to learn when mm-hmm. I'm around individuals of different perspectives. I think religion is often a thing that we as humans need to create structure for the things that we experience in life. Mm-hmm. Like we go, okay, I can make sense of this with this structure, <laughs> but it doesn't discount what someone else's structure is necessarily. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that's kind of like going back to what you were talking about of like, I couldn't, can't believe that I thought that 90% of people were just going to go to hell. And then I was like, one of the privileged few. Mm-hmm. It's a ridiculous thought. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I think that's why we're attracted to individuals who have different perspectives than us, because it challenges us. Mm-hmm. And we, or we are excited to be surrounded by people who will push us to grow and push us to learn more and push us to develop our perspective mm-hmm. um, and be better. Right. Yeah. So it's understandable that we chose partners who would do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we're made in the image of God and growing in likeness to God, we're oriented toward the discovery of truth. Yeah. Like, I want to do that no matter where I find it. Like, mm-hmm. I often find myself looking in scripture and the early church mothers and fathers. But there's truth out there that people who are not Christians have found. And yeah. I want 
to learn from them yeah. what they've learned about God, the world, humanity. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I feel like there is so much to be had and to learn. And I think, unfortunately, we grew up with the idea that if we were going to be friends or acquaintances with someone who wasn't a Christian, that it was for the purpose of ministering to them. Mm-hmm. When the truth is what I've learned is it has been for the purpose of my own growth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That reminds me of what I came to believe about that unequally yoked passage. Mm. Like we've talked before on the podcast about when you go to interpret an ethical command of scripture, you try to find its moral reasoning or the, like the moral logic behind the command simpler way to say that when it when scripture tells you to do something ask why ask god why mm-hmm. i think that the kind of ethical command this is is often misunderstood i think it's sort of proverbial like a lot of the times this guidance will help you or this advice will help you mm. but not all the time you right. need wisdom to know how to apply it like the book of proverbs tells you both to answer a fool according to his folly and not to answer a fool according to his folly. And the wise person will know when to do each Mm. because there's appropriate time for each. Amen. That sounded more like Ecclesiastes, but it's all in the Bible, right? (laughs) (laughs) So I think not getting really closely joined with unbelievers in the original context in which scripture was written made a certain sort of sense because Jewish background believers had a history of having their beliefs sort of infiltrated with like the worse, more regressive views Mm. of the ancient Near Eastern religions around them. Interesting. Like some of the religions they're, ways of worshiping their gods involved human sacrifice and things like that. And in the history of the Israelite religion, sometimes those forms of worship were taken on. Oh, interesting. The uh, mistreatment of children, mistreatment of women and foreigners were codified in a lot of religious systems are codified in a lot of evangelical systems. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the substance of the warning. Like context. Y'all know (laughs) the dangers of the good ethical principles of your religion being corrupted. Yeah. And Paul is saying that like, that's a possibility in these sorts of circumstances that you should be cautious about. But you and I have both found that intimate relationships with people who are not Christians, sometimes very intimate, am I right? Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily compromise our faith. Right. They don't necessarily prevent us from flourishing as humans and as Christians. We've experienced it to be the opposite. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that's true in every case. Absolutely. Like I was a little hesitant when I saw August Tinder profile and it said atheist on it because I've experienced a lot of atheists who are antagonistic toward religious beliefs in general and Christian beliefs in particular. It's like when people go, you're not vegan, are you? To me. (laughs) You're not one of those. (laughs) I'm like, no, but also, like, I know some pretty cool vegans. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it's that same idea that, like, a yeah. lot of times people's experiences have been not fun, you know? And no tea, no shade if y'all out there are cool atheists. Like, right. We can hang. But that level of mutual respect. Exactly. It isn't always there. Yeah. Like, I couldn't date uh, a non-affirming Christian. I couldn't date an affirming Christian who didn't um, respect other people's perspectives Mm -hmm. who just said, no, this is the only way Mm -hmm. I'd be like, "Mm, okay. Right. We just don't line like this is not going to line up. 
it's really just about that like ability to be open Mm-hmm. You know, which is more personality and less uh, more a reflection on personality and less a reflection on what their faith is. Right. I just find that something that, oh my God, I almost ended this episode without talking about it, which is crazy. <laughs> Sorry, I just realized <laughs> is that in, in having, and I'm sure there's plenty of you out there that are two Christians who've come in um, into a queer relationship is you have double the trauma that you're bringing in together. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, it's like, okay, I not only have purity culture, you know, whatever trauma, I also have queer trauma. So it's like a mixture of this, like, I've got to deconstruct two things. Um, and I'm coming into this relationship. Right. Um, so that means quadruple. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> oh God. And I just find that so many people have to do so much extra work in those relationships. Mm-hmm. It's not to say it's not worth it, but it's hard. It's that much harder. Like I've been in those relationships and I've had those relationships end with being like, I'm not sure I was supposed to be with a woman the rest of my life. Okay. Five years in a relationship and that's your perspective. Great. Like that, that shit is fucking tough and it's Mm -hmm. because of shame. Yeah. And it's cause I don't think I can handle this, you know, Mm -hmm. and still hold on to these relationships and loves that I have, you know? And, and so I, I like really feel for my friends who have fallen in love and they're both queer and they're both Christian. Mm -hmm. And I go, okay, I'm here for you. (laughs) Right. Like I'm here for you. Cause I know this is going to be fucking tough because your triggers might be their triggers, which might trigger you guys both differently. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So (laughs) like with Erica, I didn't have to, we didn't have to address the same things at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like, there were a lot of ways that she was just super confident in who she was and what she believed and that she didn't face. And having having one set of parents that is like really affirming and loving and supportive is helpful. Mm. And it's just like these little things that you don't realize help right. in this circumstance. Mm. I don't know how I almost went without saying anything about that. <laughs> I think another hard thing about dating another Christian is that I feel like there is, uh, there could be a tendency, especially among those of us who are in like more traditional, like more mainline denominations, to have like a sort of competitiveness mm. about like, okay, who's going to be like the Christian or Christian? Like yeah. it's uh, the season of Lent for a lot of us Christians right now. Like I just imagine if I were dating somebody and like. Oh well, whose whose Lenten practice is more severe? Like I'm glad that I don't have to deal with that bullshit, and that August won't like throw shade at me when I pack it in at midnight Central Standard Time, <laughs> couple hours early, because he made me a cheesecake. <laughs> yes, I love it. No, it's true. It's totally true. I mean, it's beautiful to have support from my wife in understanding that like I need community in this way. Mm -hmm. She's the reason why I even entered back into queer Christian space. Like, Mm. and I say back into, I should, I should say why I even entered into queer Mm -hmm. Christian space. Uh, She said, I think you're missing community and I think you need to look into that. Mm -hmm. And then she's the reason why I was able to financially go to a conference that was, you know, thousands of other queer Christians. Um, mm. She just prioritized that for me because she wanted my own spiritual health because she saw how that was reflected in me and then and how it would affect us as a relationship. And that's love. Like, that's love mm. to send your partner <laughs> off to do something that you have no understanding on. And you yeah. just know that it's something that will benefit them. Mm-hmm. You know? When Erica says, can you please add change to the spell jar and and shake it around and give it an intention um, in this way, I do it because <laughs> she asked me to, mm-hmm. and that's love, is engaging in the things that I might not understand, but I believe her and trust her when it comes down to it, or take, mm-hmm. you know we have our boundaries and our understanding of 
what maybe she can handle as much Christian Jesus talk <laughs> she can <laughs> handle um, versus how much I can handle of feeling uh, like I don't know shit when it comes to witchy things. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> and that's that's a healthy relationship and i think often with two christians like you said not only that competitiveness but that like you gotta fit this this temptation to fall back into that evangelical idea about we have to have the same ideas mm-hmm. we have to have the same faith perspective me and erica don't need that which is nice mm-hmm yeah, in some ways, my mono-faith marriage to a straight woman was torn apart because I became an Episcopalian and she stayed a Southern Baptist. I like, know, because you kind of talked about that. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about how ridiculous that is. Like, in a lot of Christian circles... I want to say quote unquote Christian circles. Yes. There's less respect and understanding even for other expressions of Christianity. Yep. Than you and I have experienced toward like people of other faiths or no faith at all and that they've exercised toward us. Mm-hmm. Something you said about like respecting beliefs even though you don't understand them or they just seem strange to you. Um, so recently, my priests at my local parish all got immunized. They got the COVID vaccine. So they started offering drive-through Eucharist on Sunday mornings. And one weekend, August was over. And I told him, I want to go to this thing. And he's like, okay, I'll come along. And I was explaining it to him on the, along the way, like, Oh, yeah, so this is like uh, the central part of our worship service. It's where we eat Jesus' body and drink his blood. <laughs> like, oh, like, uh, it's like some symbolic, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me how weird he finds a lot of Christian, like, especially Episcopalian rituals. And I was forced to conclude, like, yeah. They are really weird. I think the weird parts of my favorite. Yes. <laughs> like I came to a greater appreciation of the weird contours of Christian practice that I've just gotten used to because I grew up in them. Mm-hmm. So true. I'll go to start saying something. And if I'm saying something slightly more Christianese, Erica goes, got no idea what you're saying right now. <laughs> nope. I think you're, nope, that's a very Christian thing. What are you saying? Sanctification. Tell me more. <laughs> that's effed up. Less <laughs> Latin, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and then she tells me about peeing in a spell jar, and I go, what? <laughs> you, you peed in that. <laughs> she's like well they called for it (laughs) (laughs) it's a protection jar okay i mean i just did a little casual cannibalism on sunday so (laughs) am i a judge right that's what i'm I'm saying is that we think about our practices and we're like it's whatever (laughs) this is what normal humans do (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my gosh i one of the funny ways that I contribute to um, Erica's uh, witchiness is um, I collect cat whiskers off the floor. So okay. if we find a cat whisker, we collect it because it can be used for witchy shit. I don't know any more about it. Probably but... nothing good, right? Cats are evil. <laughs> <laughs> no, cats are brilliant. Cats are evil. Whoa, whoa, I, whoa, whoa. I'm can we even as a loving no, cat owner? Can we even continue this relationship? <laughs> yeah, you love Tallulah. What the heck? She is adorable and so sweet and inhabited by the devil himself. <laughs> <laughs> we don't believe in hell here, but she's the devil. <laughs> no, that's how I feel about Clem sometimes. Like literally. Um 
We should do an episode just about our animals. Anyway. <laughs> we like do a little mini so just talking about our animals. I like that. Um yeah. I mean cats are brilliant. They are. And there is a reason why they've been worshipped by so many different religions and cultures. That's how they can be so evil. Like <laughs> dogs, especially like a dumb dog, has very little capacity for evil. True. This is true. Okay, there's a little bit of truth to that. Um, but yeah, I collect whiskers and I don't know what the fuck they're used for, but I do it and I'm a good wife. I've also collected rose petals and rainwater mm-hmm. and seawater. <laughs> <laughs> I just know what it is <laughs> that I'm supposed to collect and I just do it. <laughs> <laughs> and Erica supports me sometimes doing worship music and and listening to the Christian songs I write and letting me process out loud what I'm deconstructing and taking me seriously. And we just love each other by trying to understand and engage with each other. Mm. And it's such a cool component to not assume that the other person understands what it is that you believe just as cool. It is to like, dig into what you believe when you respect each other because i have mm-hmm. had really deep connected relationships within christianity that have been beautiful but again they have the same component of respect because mm-hmm. at the end of the day like you and i how many times have we talked about we have documentation of this freaking podcast <laughs> where we've talked about the same thing and how different our experiences have been mm-hmm. and yet somehow we still dealt with similar trauma. <laughs> right. Right? And it just comes down to like respect mm-hmm. and the beauty of that. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I love interfaith relationships when they're because they have more of a chance. They have often have more of a chance of that like mutual respect and that can lead to success. In a relationship. I'm loving mine. Listeners, you might try one for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> we like start a matchup. Like I, I'm really good. Like the many of my friends who have experienced me matching them up um, when I've actually done it because I rarely do it because when I do it, it's got to stick. <laughs> <laughs> we start a matchup service, but at the end of the day, like it goes really slow because I'm so picky. <laughs> Can we start a dating service for interfaith relationships called E-Disharmony? Oh my God. Hey-o. TM. Yes. Listen, don't sell it. <laughs> <laughs> this shit is dated. <laughs> <laughs> Have we beaten this topic to death? Yes, I believe we have. Okay. Well, guys, if you um, have any thoughts on interfaith relationship or any questions about it, um, I definitely think that this is something that we are going to, um, as we grow as a community and um, and find creative ways to grow as a community, we continue conversations around. But for right now, mm-hmm. I'd love for, if you are not following us on Instagram or Twitter at LavMafia, L-A-V-M-A-F-I-A, please send us a message. Let us know what you think. If you're in an interfaith relationship, send us a pic. We would love to see your cute relationship. Um, if you're also really attracted to witches, come relate to me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I would love for, uh, I love for y'all to reach out and, um, just, you know, say hi. We love it. We love y'all. We love knowing that you're listening. Um, all right, beautiful babes, be fierce, keep the faith. And don't fuck it up. Our amazing music is written and produced by Evan Coles of Springwood Productions. Speaking of Springwood, I just want to thank them for recording, mixing, and producing our audio. Without them, this podcast wouldn't be happening. Springwood is made up of passionate creatives who are really easy to work with and professional, and they really know their stuff. So if you need anything like video or audio production, or they can really do anything to help your music or business. Like they got me Taco Bell one time, for God's sake. So go check them out at springwoodproductions.com.